0: Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. So, um, if you're uh, following along in your Bibles, we're going to spend a bunch of time in James chapter 1. If you like to get ahead of the game, I'm going to read a few others, but I'm going to get there. So, if you want to turn somewhere, turn there, because we're Talking about good ideas. Uh, we're going to be doing this right up in the lead up here, next few weeks, finishing up, leading into Easter. Good idea, because everybody's had somebody say to them, "That's a good idea. You should do that." And <laughs> we've had somebody say, "That's not a good idea. Not a good idea, right?" And and we probably told ourselves, "Not a good idea," and then done it anyway. Right? It's just not a good idea. And it turns out that good ideas in the Bible are actually often thought of as rules. But when we just think of them as rules, do this, don't do this, we, we miss the meaning behind them. Because the meaning behind them is that this is a good idea. This is the pathway to a full life. If you do this, God's laws that govern our universe, the law of sowing and reaping of consequence, comes back to us in both good and bad good idea so here's a good idea that we can probably all agree on tell the truth this is a good idea right tell the truth you want to have friends tell the truth you want to keep your job tell the truth now some of you just thought no my job they don't want me to tell the truth you need a new job that's another message Right? You want a healthy marriage, tell the truth. You want to build a good relationship with your kids, tell the truth. Right? Tell the truth. The Bible actually has a lot to say about this. Let me read you some of them. Exodus chapter 20 verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbor. By the way, that's from the big 10. The 10 commandments that everybody says they obey and nobody can repeat That's the ones right there. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Or Proverbs. Man, Proverbs is just full of this. Here's what it says, chapter 12. An honest witness tells the truth, and a false witness tells lies. There it is. A couple verses later, it gets down to it, right? Verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips. But he delights in those who tell the truth. And I love this one in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Man. Tell the truth. Of course, the only reason it's saying this is because we don't always do it, right? Tell the truth. We are occasionally truth-challenged. But I don't actually want to talk about just telling the truth. I want to talk about something harder. I want to talk about telling the truth to ourselves. Because it turns out Wow, this is where it's hard. Why do we lie to ourselves? Man, it turns out that most of the lies we tell to other people are because we're lying to ourselves. You wouldn't think you would do it. Who lies to themselves? But we look at the truth and we avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. We, in a word, are dishonest with ourselves. We, in the words of that famous movie, can't handle the truth. Remember that one? Oh, man. can't handle it. James has something to say about this and it's such a powerful passage i just want to i want to camp there uh, for our time today because i think it begins to tell us a little bit about why we lie to ourselves and i'll i'll try and make this as practical as we can here's what james says and just you know see if you see yourself in it in verse chapter one verse 22 he says don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourselves. You're just deceiving. You're just lying to yourself about who you actually are. For if you listen, I was going to use an illustration here. He says, if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. This is at a time when mirrors were not as as common as they are today. Now, mirrors are are everywhere. But then, uh, mirrors were in reflection. Seeing your own reflection was a a rarity. There was no cameras to take a selfie, right? There wasn't a mirror and a reflection on every wall. It was pretty uncommon. So he used this illustration. He said, like, looking in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. But we can take the same illustration. It's like looking in a mirror and seeing that spaghetti and just, ah. chunk of lettuce on your teeth right and walking away and just ignoring, he said this is what's happening to us we're, we're looking and we're seeing but then we're avoiding denying, fooling lying to ourselves how do we do that? I mean where does that come from? Here's where where to begin. If you're taking notes, here's just a a practical point. I can't accept that I was wrong. That's usually where it starts. I can't accept the reality that ah, I was wrong. Now, why is that? Well, we all have an inner narrative. It's the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. This is who I am. And I'm good at that. Or I'm trying to be good at that. This is my story, my my narrative. I'm a good man or a good woman. I don't, use angry words, except until I do. Then what do I do? Ah. They weren't really angry words. It's not bad if it was true, right? You see how we, 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 we work it. I'm a smart person. I'm the smartest person I know. I never jump to conclusions except when I jump to conclusions. Right? I am a mature, in-control person. I don't drink too much. Except when I drink too much. You see, what happens is when our narrative is in conflict with our behavior we feel the tension and it causes us to create a lie to ourselves it's like this i am a basketball player just sport right I'm a, I'm a basketball player i'm right good good i've been wanting to bounce this this whole series i've been afraid it was going to end up on the front row so you got me right you got me okay Man, I'm a basketball player, this is what I do. This is my narrative. It's who I am. And then what happens is I build my narrative around, I'm a basketball player. And then I wanna be a better basketball player. I'm a good basketball player. I'm a very good basketball player. I'm a great basketball player. I'm ready to go pro. I was recruited. I'm a basketball player. So what happens when I drop the ball? I was supposed to be a good, great basketball player, but I just dropped the ball. Now, I've got to decide what to do, right? And, and, and admitting that I wasn't as good as I thought I was, it messes with my story, my narrative. I'm So, somebody knocked that out of my hand. It's their fault, their fault. I got fouled, fouled. Did you see it? Instant replay. It's not my fault. I mean, you ever seen an NBA professional do this? All the time. Ah! Instant replay. Nobody within 10 feet of them. Because they got a narrative, it's a narrative about how good they are. And, And we can't just pick up the ball and say, I dropped the ball because when I say I dropped the ball, I ruin the narrative about how good I am and how good I am is attached to how valuable I think I am. You see why we lie to ourselves? Because the other option, admitting, accepting, that I drop the ball messes with the story I'm creating. So, here's another one. I refuse to be hopeful. I'm going to go in a whole new direction with this one. Sometimes we, we lie to ourselves because... We are not about to be disappointed again. Nope. I refuse to be hopeful. You've been disappointed. You've been down that path, and it hurt. And you lost something, and you've decided that the way you will protect yourself, is to never be hopeful again. And that means you can't believe anything good. You can't even believe in the goodness of God and his faithfulness. Because in order to maintain that safety, you have to keep telling yourself the lie. It's not good. It's never gonna be good. Nothing good is coming. Even down to the faithfulness of God. We are like perpetual Eeyores. Remember Eeyore? Remember Eeyore? I love Eeyore. I just love him as a character. The little gray donkey in Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Anyone know an Eeyore? I do. Oh, no. It's going to rain. Man. Man. We refuse to be hopeful. In fact, these sort of hopeless characters are, man, they're they're everywhere. You know, Winnie the Pooh—not your—not your gig. You like SpongeBob? How about Squidward? All right. I don't watch SpongeBob, so I'm just going by what I read. I hear he's pretty down. Harry Potter? What do they call it? Uh, Moaning Myrtle? There you go. There you go. Literature loves these ones, but here's my favorite: George Costanza. That's right. George Costanza, never. <laughs> what a pathetic character. <laughs> There's actually this scene in, uh, in, in one of the Seinfeld episodes where George and uh, uh, Jerry are sitting at a table, and George says, I dream of being hopeless. He says, I dream of being hopeless. It's my only hope. You know why that's funny? Because we can relate. It's not funny if there's not a grain of truth in it. The grain of truth is that sometimes to protect ourselves, we choose to not believe in anything hopeful, even the faithfulness of God in our lives. Because somehow we think it protects us. James has a, a solution, and I want to read it to you. In the very next verse, he says, But, but, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, Now, watch what he's doing here. If you you look carefully into the, the law, the word, and the word, ultimately, the word, John 1 says, Jesus is the word. If you look at him, if you focus on him, if you set your eyes on him, if you focus, you meditate, you dwell on his word, the perfect law, here's what it does. It sets you free. Like there's something in His Word, and in the person of Jesus Christ that literally sets you free. Just dwell on it. Just sit there. Just, just. And He, and he likens it to this mirror, right? It's like, like, listen, pause and stop and look at the mirror. Look at the Word. Look at Jesus. Push out everything else and just see Jesus because when you look at him and you look at his word it changes everything because here's what you discover you discover that what you lost you didn't need That's what he means when he's saying you set you set you free because you're locked into this stuff. Like I gotta, I, I, I gotta, I gotta have that. I gotta, I gotta have that story, that narrative because this, this is why people accept me. This is why people love me. This is why people admire me. But when you look at the perfect law, when you dwell and meditate on Scripture, and you see Jesus, what you discover is all you need is Him. And it sets us free because when we thought we thought we needed that thing, but when, when we look at Him and we focus on him, we, 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 we see in His word that I don't need I don't need that narrative, I don't need that acceptance. I don't need that story. I don't need those people. I just need Jesus, because we thought. Man, if I lose them, if I lose that, it's over. Who am I? What am I? Nothing. And what we discover when we look to Jesus is that's not the final chapter. It's not the most important chapter. What I lost... I didn't need. I thought I was over and I was done, and I couldn't go on if I didn't if I, if I didn't have this story and this thing. I couldn't go on. But in Jesus, I discovered something. You ever you ever watch a you ever go to a movie and like the main character, famous dude, they're paying tens of millions of dollars to be in this movie, and and you look and and the character just got shot, and they're dying on the floor. And you're like, whoa, that's weird. And you look at your watch and you're only 45 minutes into the movie and you're like, he ain't dead. Because you know, they ain't killing off a guy they paid that much money with an hour and 15 minutes to go. Right? It's not over. Oh, oh, there he is. He's back to life. Look at that bulletproof vest. Who knew? Right? And we we think, man, I can't live without that story. I can't live without that narrative. I can't live without them, without their acceptance. And when we live that light way, we keep telling ourselves a lie. We keep fooling ourselves. We keep deceiving ourselves. But when we stare, when we look, when we dwell on the word and on the person of Jesus Christ, we discover that what we lost we didn't need anyway. Here's something else. We discovered that what we lost, we didn't need. And we discovered that what we found in Jesus was unconditional. I love how this same verse finishes. Let me read it from the beginning, but if you look, verse 25, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You want want a full life? Listen, man, his, his good ideas are the way to go. But there's something in this passage that's just reminding us that you can trust him. Even, you see, in that place where where we become honest with ourselves and we we drop the false narrative that's keeping us from flourishing and from a full life. When When we drop that and we're honest with ourselves, you go through a season of emptiness Because it feels like brokenness. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody, no, nobody wants to have, have, have dropped the ball and it's sitting over here and we're just looking, going, that's what I used to be. And so there's a moment when when it just feels like that's it. I just used to be something. Because our whole story was wrapped up in this. And now I've had to be honest with myself, and I've had to be honest about who I am and where I'm broken and what I've done. And man, it can feel like just, it can feel like emptiness. But but this is the beautiful thing in that place. When you find yourself at the bottom of emptiness and you look to Jesus, you discover that his love for you is unconditional. See, we we were thinking, oh, he loves me because I'm, I'm good. I'm good at that. I'm successful. I'm achieving. People think of me, and we conflated what others thought of me with what God thought of me. And he said, I never loved you because of that. And some of us are thinking, yeah, well, what about this? What about... What about this? Because, because the, the stop sign is the, the story, right? It's the, the story of what God says to do and what not to do, and it's the consequences. Like, listen, when we break his rules, like, like the Ten Commandments, don't lie. Like, like, and there's a place of interest where like, God, I... Like, I've been living my life breaking this. It's not even about a game that I chose. It's, God, I've been... I've been living my life breaking these rules. Living contrary to your word. Living in a rebellion, doing my own thing. Breaking everything around me. (laughs) And we would think that he loves us less. And it's not true. His love for you and for me is unconditional. And the truth is, we only really discover that when we're broken, when we drop the ball and we drop the pretense and we've got nothing left. <laughs> we've got no excuses, no defenses, no claim to deserve anything. And it's right there that we find the most important gift of all His unconditional love. Because it's right there that we discover He loves us. I just want to say it so you can hear it. God loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows every time you've dropped the ball And he loves you. He knows every time you've picked up a new game to try and write a story on your own terms. And he loves you. He knows every time you've broken those rules. And he loves you. He knows every secret about you. He knows the stuff you know that you hope no one else ever knows. He knows it. And here's what he says to you. In the quietest place, in your most broken moment, he says, hey, 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 I love you. I love you. And nothing, nothing can change that. That's the unconditional love that God has for you and for me. And that is what sets us free to live the life he made us for. This is why the call of Jesus is so beautiful. It says in Revelation, a verse I love to quote, he says, uh, the King James says, behold, but go with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears me and opens a door, I will come in to be with them. And maybe that's you. Maybe you just... Maybe God's got a story that he's weaving in your life and he's brought you right to here into a place of brokenness and you're just ready. You're just like to to, to drop all the pretense of goodness and worthiness and deserving and to drop it all and just to come and humble yourself at his feet and say, I need you because in that place we discover his unconditional love and it changes everything if that's you i just want to finish by giving you a chance just to to take that step of faith and prayer between you and him would you bow your heads with me our heads are bowed and Our eyes are closed in just a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you. Maybe maybe the story this morning for you is a story of just honesty. And maybe you've been writing that narrative and living out that story and telling yourself, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And you know, man, I'm living a lie. Man, just (laughs) drop the ball, drop the ball, drop the ball. And just look to Jesus. And maybe that begins with a moment of confession Lord, I dropped the ball. I'm not who I said I was. I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not who I want to be. But I want to live my life fully for you. And maybe you're here and you've been on this journey towards Jesus and in twists and turns and you've not yet given your life to him. You've been writing your own story, your own narrative, but you're ready to drop that today and just embrace him and his story and live fully for him. And here's my invitation to you. Listen, wherever you're at and whatever is going on in your life, drop it. Just humble yourself before him. Confess. And accept his gift of forgiveness once and for all. I'd like to lead you in a prayer that does that, but I I, want to preface it by saying there's no words and you don't have to wait on me. You can begin praying. Because it's a prayer that comes from the heart. It's a prayer of confession and a prayer of faith. You might pray something like this, Dear God, you know everything about me. every secret, every stumble, every sin, every struggle. And I don't understand it, but I believe you love me. And this morning, I accept your gift of forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I trust in you as my Savior. I invite you into my life. Help me to live my life fully for you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.